Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. On December 15, 1939, nearly 300,000 people descended upon the Lowe's Grand Theater in Atlanta, Georgia, for the star-studded premiere of what would soon become Hollywood's biggest blockbuster, Gone with the Wind. As God is my witness, as God is my witness, they're not going to lick me. I'm going to live through this. Based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel by Margaret Mitchell, Gone with the Wind tells the story of Scarlett O'Hara, a strong-willed Southern belle who is forced to adapt to the societal changes brought on by the American Civil War in a manner that was antithetical to the genteel ways in which she was raised. Unfortunately, the narrative, which was mildly progressive for its time in terms of feminism, suffered from the over-romanticization of the Old South by both legitimizing the nobility of the secessionist movement and whitewashing the horrors of slavery. A likely byproduct of Mitchell's own experiences growing up in Georgia. A childhood surrounded by the influence of the infamous Lost Cause. But while Gone with the Wind's romantic tone could not be farther from that than the genre of Southern Gothic, the iconic Scarlett O'Hara as an uncanny resemblance to a real-life, tough-as-nails woman, a gambling, gun-toting Louisiana legend who fearlessly protected her family and business by any means necessary. A woman named Madame Felicité Crescent. My name is Brandon Schecksneider. And you are listening to Southern Gothic.
Felicite Netta was born in New Orleans around 1797 to Marie Manette Gravel and Francois Antoine Netta. As a young woman, the Creole socialite regularly participated in activities that at the time were considered acceptable only for men, gaining a reputation early on for her strong will and independent nature. Then, following in the footsteps of her father, Felicite successfully learned how to run a plantation and manage its business affairs, eventually proving so capable that she took over some of Francois's work. As a result, her confidence and demeanor scandalized the other daughters of local planters, for this strong young woman would stride about her family's property as freely as her father, riding her horse as a man would wherever she wished. But in addition to her nature and intelligence, Felicite was beautiful with no shortage of suitors. Though it is said that as frequently as she drew men in, she repelled them in equal measure. That is, until she met Hippolyte Crescien. It is unclear exactly how the Netta and Crescien families became acquainted, likely the result of their plantation's close proximity. Although, it is frequently noted that Felicite's father may have known her suitor from the War of 1812, where Netta served as a captain in the 1st Regiment of the Louisiana Militia, and Crescien as a private in the 16th Regiment. Either way, members of the local high society were surprised by the union, which took place on July 28, 1818. Over the following years, as the couple's family grew, it is said that Hippolyte wanted a quote, good, well-made house for his wife and growing family. So in 1831, a building contract was signed for the construction of a grand estate on the Crescien family's plantation, Crescien Point, located near Opelousas in present-day Sunset, Louisiana. The result was an excellent representation of early Louisiana and Creole architecture. A two-storied mansion, three rooms across and one and a half rooms deep, all set on a brick foundation. The walls were also made of this red brick and covered in plaster. And in addition, plaster-covered brick pillars rose from the ground up the double stories to support the shingled roof and framed the veranda and gallery. Yet despite this traditional architectural style, there are some outside influences. The plantation's circular top door and windows have a more Georgian or federal style of design than usually seen in Louisiana plantations. And the style of the front columns and veranda were influenced by the Greek Revival style. Although an outside carpenter and bricklayer 
were hired for the construction, Samuel Young and Jonathan Harris respectively. The majority of work was completed by the Crescent family's enslaved persons, and particularly noted is that the many bricks necessary for the mansion were made on site by this enslaved workforce that at the Crescent family's most affluent time exceeded over 500 men, women, and children. Upon its completion, Crescent Point stood as a symbol for the family's fortune, which likely included up to 12,000 acres of land. But as can be expected, Felicite had no intention of being a kept woman there. And as a result, the couple quarreled frequently about her role in the marriage. Hippolyte demanded that she carry out the traditional tasks that were expected of her, but Felicite did not agree, insisting that she too had the right to have a hand in running their business, just as her father had taught her. Yet according to some, Hippolyte distrusted more than just his wife. Legend claims that the prosperous cotton planter refused to deposit his considerable fortune into a bank, choosing instead to bury his money in large chests around Crescent Point. Hippolyte then confided these secret locations to only one person, an old enslaved man named Pajo. But then, on September 29, 1837, Hippolyte Crescent died of yellow fever, leaving Felicite alone with a large plantation, four young children, and no idea where he had hid their wealth. Fortunately, Madame Felicite Crescent rose to the occasion. Upon her husband's death, Felicite had Pajo brought to her to discuss the whereabouts of the hidden cash. What he told her is unknown, but after a lengthy conversation, the pair exited the house together and Pajo brought the newly widowed woman to a spot on the property where digging would soon commence. Several heavy boxes were pulled from the earth and when everything was located, she had them loaded into a cart and rushed to the bank with several enslaved men serving as protection. And upon Felicite's return from this important errand, it is said that she increased the sizes of the bolts on her windows and doors. With Hippolyte now gone, Felicite took control over the operations of Crescent Point, and during this era in which women were not allowed to be head of a household, live alone, or manage a plantation, Felicite Netta Crescent did just that, taking part in everything from general oversight to inspecting the cotton. She even worked with merchants and fellow planters. The madam as she was known, did it all. 
Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello all, Eric Rivenus with the Most Notorious Podcast here. Each week I interview an author or historian about a historical true crime, tragedy, or disaster. Subject matter ranges from gunslingers to Gilded Age murder to gangsters to fires to pirates to wild prison breaks. My guests bring their incredible knowledge directly to you. Please subscribe to Most Notorious on your favorite podcast app. Cheers and have a safe tomorrow. But in addition to Madame Crescent's assuredly unladylike qualities, the widow soon became well-known for hosting parties, specifically for gambling. Fascinated by poker, she used these games with her neighbors to better hone her own skills until eventually she grew tired of low-stakes betting. So over the years, the piles of gold and promissory notes grew increasingly heavy and according to some, the size of her plantation increased several times as a result of her talent at cards. Perhaps unsurprisingly, news spread of this wealthy woman living alone on her estate without a man's protection. And also unsurprisingly, many men desired a fortune for themselves. And while some sought to marry her and failed, others had more nefarious intentions. Legend claims that in the 1840s, a gang of men were heard approaching Crescent Point. Determined to protect her children and her property, Madame Crescent grabbed her gun and rushed down the stairs to confront the first intruder, herself. Now, the man was in her home, and though she yelled for him to cease, he continued to advance towards her. So Madame Crescent, confident as ever, waited as the man came closer and closer. Then, as he reached the stairs, she fired, killing him instantly. Yet there were still more men outside, approaching her home. So Madame Crescent ran to wake some of her most trusted enslaved men, arming them so they could help protect the house. 
she then confronted the rest of this gang, ordering them to leave her property or else they would be shot. But the men claimed that they were only there looking for their friend, to which Madame Crescien responded that there was no such man. So the gang turned and fled. For the rest of the night, the dead intruder's body was stashed out of sight beneath the stairs until the police could be called the next morning. And though Madame Crescien ordered the floor to be scrubbed where the now dead man had laid bleeding, the stain would not be removed. Unfortunately for Madame Crescien, chaos and uncertainty would arrive at her doorstep once again. On October 18, 1863, the Battle of Buzzard's Prairie took place on the grounds of Crescien Point Plantation. The battle lasted for several hours, culminating in a Union victory, which did not bode well for the Crescent family. For as the Federal Army traveled west towards Texas, they looted and destroyed every plantation in their path. Luckily, Crescent Point was spared. Several pieces of popular folklore attempt to explain how the plantation was saved. One, crediting the son of Hippolyte and Felicite as the hero. The man, who was also named Hippolyte, was ill at the time, but took it upon himself to appeal to the Union officers. Louisiana author Harnett T. Kane described the actions taken in his 1945 work, Plantation Parade. The Federals marched forward and lined up before the mansion, so Hippolyte Crescent dragged himself across the gallery, leaned over the rail, and moved his hands in a peculiar fashion. In a final effort to save his house, he was letting them know he was a Mason. There must, he had reasoned to himself, be some Masons among the officers. And there was the General himself. The latter stood silent his eyes intent on the face of the sick man. He lifted his arm and returned the signal. Hippolyte Crescien had done what even a stout-willed mother might not have accomplished, and the cannons were dragged away. The accuracy and legitimacy of this particular story is unknown, especially since yet another tale has been passed through the ages, crediting Madame Crescien herself with saving the home. Author Herman de Bachel Siebold was the first to publish the tale in his 1941 work, Old Louisiana Plantation Homes and Family Trees. In it, he claims that Felicite had heard that a single Louisiana estate had been spared by federal forces after the mistress of the home spread a great feast on long tables beneath the trees in front of the mansion 
emptying the cellars to supply the union with fine wine. So Madame Crescent decided she would do the same. The plantation kitchen force was put to work, locating all of the poultry on the property, along with numerous hogs, sheep, and cattle. The wine cellar was then emptied of its finest vintages, and everything was laid out on long tables, ready for the soldiers to arrive. Madame Crescent even prepared herself for their arrival, readying her appearance so as to seem the proper southern lady. So when General Nathaniel Banks arrived, she was cutting flowers, greeting the officer in French, before offering him a bundle of keys. According to Siebold, she told him, I extend to you and your men the hospitality of our plantation. My servants have prepared food and drink and refreshments for you and your detachment. I hope that all of you will accept. My home is also at your service. On this bunch are the keys for everything. I have disturbed nothing, whatever not knowing where to put it. I learn that you have your orders to burn every home, so I'm not blaming you. Only please let me and my family remain here until we can find somewhere to go. In response to Madame Crescent's warm welcome, General Banks replied that though they would have to search the premises for Confederate soldiers in hiding, the family would not be disturbed otherwise. This search revealed a sickly man hidden in the attic, a distant relative of the family, but he was too old and infirm to be of service to the Confederacy, so the men moved on. Madame Felicité Crescent had once again saved the day. Yet while the mansion was spared, the plantation wasn't left completely unaffected. The home was raided, and Federal soldiers took as much as they could carry in furniture and household goods loading them into army wagons for their own purposes. It is believed that they also hauled away several thousand pounds of cotton and destroyed several outbuildings, including the storehouse, sugar house, smokehouse, and cotton gin. But the most important effect that the Union Army had on Crescent Point was that before they left, General Banks ordered the dispersal of the enslaved men and women. It is unclear if they were granted freedom by the Crescent family themselves, but Siebold notes that they were sent away with the threat of death should they return to the plantation. And to ensure this, their cabins were burned to the ground. Following the war, Madame Crescent eventually left the plantation for good, choosing instead to reside in New Orleans, where she remained until her death on March 11, 1881, at the age of 84 years old.
while the larger-than-life legends of Madame Crescent dominate tales surrounding Crescent Point Plantation, there is yet one more tale to be told of the property, although its basis in historical fact is somewhat dubious. Purportedly, at some point the elder Hippolyte Crescent made the acquaintance of the infamous gentleman smuggler and privateer Jean Lafitte. Since Crescent Point was situated next to Bayou Bourbeau, Hippolyte saw an opportunity to charge Lafitte a small fee to use his land as an inland headquarters, a stopping place for smuggled goods to be gathered and regrouped before being dispersed. The Tesh News of St. Martinville, Louisiana, wrote of the legend on November 4, 1955. It is also said that the vicinity was the meeting place for smugglers, raiders, and cattle rustlers in the days of Lafitte the Pirate, the Battle of New Orleans, and later. Here, the raiders would set out to steal from plantations and towns towards Orleans. And here, they would gather their booty before taking it west. Some stories claim that the wealth of treasure of Jean Lafitte, which has never been discovered, may in fact have been buried somewhere on the thousands of acres of land that made up Crescent Point. Like many plantation homes across the South, Crescent Point began to decline following the Civil War. At some point in the early 1900s, when significant debt pulled Crescent family members away from farming, they ventured into the hotel business and to help furnish the hotel in nearby Jannings, Louisiana, the family pulled the remaining furnishings from the plantation house. So by 1939, Crescent Point was vacant and began to decay, and the property remained in such a state until 1975, when it was purchased and restored before spending several decades as a bed and breakfast. Today, however, Crescent Point is a private residence. Purportedly, it is said, however, that more than just the living reside in the home. The most well-known or active spirit is the intruder that Madame Crescent killed on the stairs. Some have claimed a skulking apparition appears coming across the lawn toward the house, while others claim he's the source of a heavy, oppressive, or threatening feeling near the stairs where his body was hidden. Former owner, Louis Cornet, once said of the spirit, quote, the ghost that has given us the most trouble is the pirate Felicite killed on the stairs that night. Yet some have also claimed that the esteemed Madame Crescent herself remains as well. Her apparition, dressed in white, walking the grounds around the home and property. It is believed she is either still overseeing the estate protecting it from intruders, or possibly even searching for the fortune her husband had buried. And even more hauntingly, 
It is believed that on quiet nights, a woman's voice can sometimes be heard playing poker inside. I'll see your hundred and raise you twenty. My name is Brandon Schecksnyder, and you've been listening to Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is an independently produced podcast created by siblings Brianne and Brandon Schecksnyder with the support of listeners like you. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to receive even more content, including ad-free episodes, head over to our Patreon page today. The link is in the show notes. Lucky Lady Shacks. What's something you learned in history class that you feel like wasn't the whole truth? Better yet, what's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call redacted history. My name is Andre White the host of the Redacted History Podcast, the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. The Redacted History Podcast. Real history never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real... Or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. 